Awesome, man. How you guys doing today? Man, it's been so good, man. I feel like after that uh, sermon with Pastor Mekon, I just feel like I need to reevaluate my life, you know? Um, well, it's my honor uh, to be doing this thing with one of my closest friends, Raphael. And he's going to talk about a little bit more our, our friendship. Um, and just to kind of give you, uh, I'm going to let Raphael introduce and share his story. But uh, my name is Travis Jones. We got a chance to be a part of the ARC, and we launched the ARC Church about a year and a half ago. And we followed the model, and we... Uh, we were, we're blessed to be a part of such a great organization that helped us launch big and you know, about a year and a half. And we got about 500 people that's attending our church. And, uh, and uh, the really unique thing about our church is that we're half white and half black. Um, and so we have white middle class Republicans in our church and we got young black in our church. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy dynamic that we're dealing with and that we're, we're kind of navigating through. And we, um, our last growth track class, we had 33 people inside there, and 100% of our growth track class was Puerto Ricans. Come on, somebody. <laughs> some, some arroz con pollo, some empanadas. Come on, come in my way. Come in my way. And, um, and I just would love this. We want to take a few moments just to share with you uh, one of the reasons, uh, some practical steps that we both have taken, and you're going to hear Pastor, uh, Pastor uh, Raphael's story, and it's an amazing church in Texas. Um, uh, some things that we did to really lead towards having a diverse church, not only in race, but also in socioeconomics and also disabled people, right? Um, because I think that sometimes we forget about that, uh, that subsect of, of our culture. Um, and, uh, and I think the reason why we're talking about this, I think the reason why you're here is because heaven is diverse, right? <laughs> And, uh, and that's why we we're fighting for diversity, because heaven is diverse. And if you have a hard time with diversity here, we're going to have a hard yeah. time for eternity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think also the reason why we're fighting for this is that our call is diverse. Um, and Jesus told us to go out into all the world and to, and to go into every nation and translate it, every tribe. Um, and so literally our, our call, the, the job description of a Christian and of your church is to reach every single tribe in your community. Um, and so this is why we're here today. I, I wanted to take a few moments just for Raphael to share your story as a church and kind of who you are and, and some of the things you guys have done. Sure, sure. Hey, put your hands together for Travis Jones. That We, we call him T. Jones. We call him, that's, that's my boy T. Jones. Hey, uh, I'm excited to be here. Just like what Travis said, the reason that we're here is because we're focused on making this world look like the kingdom of heaven. Uh, when John looked into heaven in John, I think his revelation nine, he says he looked up and he saw every tribe and every nation all worshiping God. But how did he know that it was every tribe and every nation if he didn't see skin color? Yeah. He had to see skin color. And as pastors, we have to recognize that there is a need for us to someone's skin color, come on. who they are, where they come from, what their background is, and, and recognize that they have the same right that we have to get into heaven, that Jesus Christ died for all of us. And so I pastor a church in Houston. Uh, we're the most diverse city in the nation. So, I, you know, our goal is to make, uh, to make our church look like Houston because Houston kind of looks like heaven. It's really diverse. And so we, we have, we've been here uh, as a church for about a year and a half. And I had the preaching through ARC and we did launch large. And y'all pray for us. We have Easter in two weeks. And I think we have over a thousand people signed up to come to come Easter, on, and it's going to be a diverse show, and, and we're just excited because we made some sacrifices to reach a diverse community. I knew that God um, called me to plant a diverse church from way back in the day. Uh, I, I was never meant to pastor. I'm Hispanic, but I knew I was never going to lead an all-white church or an all-Hispanic church. The way I grew up, you were going to pastor. Hold, hold, your mic up hold it back. Can y'all hear me? No? Yes? Okay. 
Um, I knew I wasn't going to pastor an all-Hispanic church. I grew up in a neighborhood where it was predominantly blacks and Hispanics, and I just loved that culture. And so when we started the anchor, we, we were intentional about creating an atmosphere that, that won the trust of every single culture in our community. We wanted them to, to trust us so that they could come in and hear the gospel from people that they actually believed cared about them because they, they want Jesus just as much as you want, but they want to trust that you love them as much as Jesus loves them. And so we made sure that we made some decisions early on to plant that kind of church. And um, I, I just want to honor also Travis, because I don't know if you know this, in our culture, it's easy for a white person or a Hispanic to sit under, or even a black person, to sit under a white person's leadership. It's not that easy. I'm sorry, maybe I get it wrong. It's not that easy for white people to sit under a black leader. And so for Travis to have 50% uh, you know, Caucasians in this church, that's a big deal. And so I just want to honor you, man, and all the work that you've done in your community to pastor and lead that well. Thank you. Pastor and lead that well. Awesome for that. And uh, we want to j- jump right in and just in some practical steps that you, we, we all can take uh, uh, to be a diverse church. Number one, let, let, me, let me kind of define what we're talking about here just so we can all be on the same page. We're not just talking about race here. We're talking about social economics here. We're talking about poor people and and we chose our location because it was near a bus line, right? And I think sometimes, like, we don't even think about that, right? Like, we chose our location at the church because we knew that maybe an eighth of a mile down the road, you can take a bus to get to where we are because I think sometimes we choose location that's only uh, accessible by a car. And I think, you know, when you think about even the city of Richmond, we, we said that we're going to, uh, o- over 15% of the population of Richmond have a car. And so if I put a church in a place that's only accessible by a car, mm-hmm. then what I say to the 15% of our population in our community is that I don't want you at my church. And I think that sometimes we, we all want to be a diverse church, right? I think nowadays diversity is kind of cool, right? It's kind of like the new trend uh, to be a diverse church. And I think we're sitting in our mission statements and things like that. But I think we need to take harsh, uh, harsh steps to, 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 to get there. So I want to talk about just a few, moments, a few things that we've done. And then uh, Raphael is going to share a few uh, uh, steps that they've done to be a diverse church. And, and then what we're going to do is kind of open it up for a question and the answers. And you all can kind of maybe dive into some, uh, some questions. So I would even think about your questions even now um, before we get there. Uh, first thing, one of the things that we did to be a diverse church is that we have a diverse leadership. Um, and so I'm black. Right. And so I alone can attract black people. Right. And so what I needed, I needed on my team was was people who were who were different than me um, and not just in race, but just in style and everything like that. And so uh, one of my first hires as a as a pastor was a was a middle aged white woman. And, and the reason why I went that route is because, number one, I can attract males. And number two, I'm really good at attracting African-American because obviously I'm black, right? Um, and so for us, we, we made sure from the beginning that we have a diverse leadership. My worship leader that I just hired about is a Puerto Rican. And, and, and it led to us having 33 Puerto Ricans in our growth track. Um, and he's never said a word in um, Espanol. It's just that whenever, whenever you see somebody on stage that you can look that looks like you, you're able to. Ha- it, it, ables, it gives you a trust factor that you normally are not able to do so. And so that's one of the things that I would just recommend is have a diverse leadership. And we're so intentional about who we put on our stage. Like I get mad at my worship leader when we have four black people and one white person on stage. 
It's not equal, right? And I know sometimes we can get too much into all this, but I want to be so intentional. Like, I want a, a Latino who, who is not, who's not living in this, who are here in these states that, that's a second-generation Latino that knows English, and they come to our church. I want them to know that we're not Donald Trump. Right. I want them to know that we're going to love on them no matter who they are, no matter their their documentation, no matter if they're legal or they're illegal. I want them to see somebody on our stage. And so what we've done is that we've done that. Right. And as I told you, as we jumped off, is that half of our church is white, middle class Republican. So I see a lot of Make America Great Again T-shirts in our church. And uh, I mean, one time we, we were doing, we, we kind of delegate the, the worship transition to different people. And we had one guy come up and he's a, um, loves God, loves everybody. And uh, man, just a really great hearted person. But he's a Republican. He, he, uh, he had this hoodie on and I didn't notice it before services. And our production person didn't notice it and our service coordinator didn't notice it. But it had a Make America Great Again hoodie on, right? And it had a big eagle in the back. I'm like, oh my goodness. And uh, I remember having so many different conversations. So now what we do is that, like, if you're a leader at Motivation Church, you got to wear stuff that's neutral. You can't wear any kind of things that relates to a politician or a Democrat, Republican, black, white, uh, young and old. And, and for me, like, as, as Pastor Mekon shared, is that I, I get called the person who's not really black. Right? Oh, he ain't really a black preacher because, man, just kind of he, he don't really shout and hoop and, uh, you know, and, and which goes into my second part is that we, we're really intentional about the music we play. Right? And, and so for me, uh, we, 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 we want to have a diverse um, uh, thing. And it's in our culture, guys. So when we have growth track, we always tell people, like, there's 70% of our church uh, that you will like, but there will be 30% of our church that you should not like. Like, if you like 100% of things we do on our weekend services, then we failed you as a pastor. And here's why. Because don't you know that that 30% that you don't like, somebody else loves, right? And so there are some songs that we sing on Sunday that I hate, right? And I just feel like sometimes Hillsong songs are so wordy. I can't stand them, right? <laughs> but my white people, man, I play some Hillsongs, you would think great we're in the day of Pentecost, man, you know? <laughs> And, and, and so for me, I, what I've done is that we have created, even our worship environment is a diverse worship set. And so like literally there are songs, like we look at the songs, like you can go to our Planet Center right now, and we got some gospel songs and we got some contemporary songs. And we're super intentional and we put it from the beginning. If you like everything that we do in our church, then we failed you. And so now from the beginning, if you put that in your culture, people won't get let down when you're trying to reach a certain uh, uh, culture in your community, right? And, and so for me, I would just really just be intentional about it. I had to stand up. I'm a preacher, guys. I can't teach, guys. I can't. Come on. Come I, on. I'm not used to sitting down and talking, right? Uh, um, um, but, but I just want to encourage you all, just put it in the culture. Because when you have an, uh, it's in your culture, no matter if you're an all-white church right now, I was on staff at, a, at an Assemblies of God church, and we were uh, predominantly uh, white, middle-class Republican, like almost a whole church. I was the only black guy on staff, and they put me there because they wanted more black people in the church, right? I knew my role, right? And, um, <laughs> but what I love is that that church, that little Assemblies of God church, wasn't big at all, had about 1,000 members, and they were just loving people, loving on a community. And I, I just remember, here's what I remember. I remember them being faithful uh, to putting diversity in the culture, even when a black person walked through the door. So that when the black people start coming through the door and they start singing a, a song that maybe the white folks didn't like, like it was already there. So we were, that's just who we were. 
hey, we're not going to like every song that we sing, right? Um, and so number one, leadership. That we, we made sure we had good leadership. Number two is that we were really intentional about our uh, music that we play. Uh, that's a really big deal. And so I would just say this. If you're African-American here and you really want to have uh, white folks come to your church, you got to be even a little bit more extreme than what a white person needs to be, right? And so for me, I had to be even more intentional about having, you know, a white folks sit under my leadership, right? I got people who are white folks who are older than me. I, I literally have one, one, one of our uh, elders now. Uh, we just, uh, just kind of, uh, and his, his, his granddad was in the KKK, and his granddad was a part of some lynchings, like, like real, it was that close to our generation. And now he's sitting under an African-American pastor. Come on, so good. That don't happen by me just, you know, we, I had to be extremely intentional about having that. And so when you come to our church, Motivation Church, we're going to play more contemporary songs than we do gospel songs because i got to be able to win them over and to let them know that I'm able to pastor them where they are, right? Uh, and, and so we, we've been super intentional from the beginning. So leadership, that, and just one more that, that, that we did is that we, we started to be real. We just was real who we are and the struggles that we, And when you leave from, and I know Raphael's going to talk about this, but when you leave from an authentic, authentic heart, what happens is that people start to, start to be attracted to that. Right, and so the guy I played basketball with at the YMCA, the white guy who who, who knows me and he knows that I don't I don't care about the I I do see his skin color, but I really don't care about it. I care about his soul, yeah. right? I care about what he's walking through. I care about that he's about to walk out on his wife, right? And when you start loving people beyond their skin color and beyond all that stuff, man, I'm telling you, when people see that, and and that's when we you begin to attract a diverse group. Uh, Raphael, can you give us some just some practical steps that you've taken at Anchor to, yeah. to, to be diverse? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so Travis is talking to you about your church, some of the things in church. I want to talk to you about you. I'm going to use this mic. Okay, I'll use this mic. Is this better? Okay. I want to talk to you about you. So uh, all my white people, pick up your phone, and I want you to look in your phone and give me five names of black people and five Hispanic names that you can call right now and have dinner with tonight. All my Hispanic people, I want you to do the same thing. Find me white people and black people that you could take your family to tonight, have some tacos, eat their grits. They can eat your salsa, and, and, and you could have a good time. Uh, black people, find me some white people that you can hang out with tonight and, and watch the game with, and your families can hang out with. Because um, let me tell you something. We can say we want to have a diverse church, but that with you. Diversity starts with you. And, and I think... My question for you is, uh, how's your heart when it comes to the subject of diversity? Because I think most of us, we think, well, I come to ARC and I want a system that I can just plug in, you know, tell me what kind of Jordans I need to wear, what size skinny jeans I need to put on, and, and boom, diversity happens. That's going to happen. That's not the way it is. It starts with your heart because it's about inclining your heart towards people and not implementing a habit for people inclining your heart for people. Do you really love all people? It's not about just trying to find a system that can bring you more people because you want to grow your church. I hope you're in here because you want to reach people. Reach people and your church will grow. Reach people in your church to grow. I think we all want healthy habits that we want to implement as pastors, but I'm going to tell you this, and I want you to believe this. If you have a healthy heart, healthy habits follow. If you have a healthy heart, if your heart is inclined towards people like Jesus' heart was, 
then you'll see healthy habits come out of that. And that's why I want to go after every single person because I see the Bible when it says that the heaven is filled with all cultures and all tribes. So, so how do you do that? What's the practical step for you? Here's a practical step for you right now. Who do you know? Do you have relationships with people outside of your skin color? Relationships. And most of you have that one token black friend. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, do you, like, Travis calls me at five in the morning on FaceTime. And I, I'm like, do I want to open this up? I'm not looking too good right now. My wife's asleep right next to me. But he's that comfortable with me that at five in the morning, he's FaceTiming me. I mean, we're friends like that. And tonight, we can go hang out and our families can be together and it'd be no problem. What kind of relationships do you have? You know that Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to find this in the Bible, he says, to, to the Jew, I become a Jew to, to win the Jews. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. To the strong, to those under the law, you know the scripture. He goes, I do this so that I can win every single one of them. Pa Paul, you want to know what it's like to reach all people? Come and take a look at my, my, my phone and look at my relationships. I know Jews. I know weak people. I know people that have these struggles. And he says, so look at my relationships. And what you see in Paul is that he had diverse relationships. And I just want to say this to you. Any pastor that preaches about having a diverse church but doesn't have a diverse dinner table is being hypocritical. I mean, let me, let me tell you why. Because our churches reflect our dinner tables. You need to, when's the last time you had someone of another race at your table? When you start really taking a hard look at those questions, then you'll start to develop the right habits that help you reach all of these people. And it's all for, Paul said, for the sake of the gospel. It's for spreading the gospel to all people. So that, those are just a couple that you could take right now. I just want to give you one more real quick. Um, when Paul was, was building these relationships, in that scripture, he kept repeating some words. He kept saying, I have become. I have become this. I have become that. I have become this. Do you know that 80% of the people that come to your church come because someone invited them? They come because someone invited them. So your church will grow based on the relationships that your people have. So the tragedy is that your church looks that way because they don't have relationships that are outside of their and so you have to figure out a way to get your people to value having relationships outside of their race, to have those people that no one else would probably talk to become the number one people in their phone list to talk to. And Paul said, I have become this to reach them. So here's my question for you. What are you willing to change? Because if you're not willing to change anything, you're not going to grow a diverse church. Yeah. You have to be willing to change things because the most profound demonstration of the gospel is what are you willing to become for the sake of spreading it? What are you willing to sacrifice and let go of so that you can spread the gospel? We have to become and form people who don't look like us, who don't act like us, and, and, and newsflash, who don't vote like you. It's okay to have friends that are Democrats and Republicans or, or those other libertarian weirdos. I don't know, I'm just saying. <laughs> so what are you willing to change? And last one, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice? The reason that this is so huge is because we get our example from Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, but if you look in Acts chapter 21, we see the last reason why Paul was actually sent to prison. Do you know why Paul was sent to prison the last time in his ministry? Because he took a Greek man into the middle of the temple. 
one of his best friends, the, Acts 21, he took him into the middle of the temple, into a place where no one else was allowed to be, and he took him in there because Paul believed the scripture when he wrote himself that when Jesus Christ died, he demolished the outer walls of the temple, making access available to everyone into the Holy of Holies. So when he, he believed it, and so he took a Greek man into the holiest part of the temple, and the religious people got crazy. They arrested him, and they threw him in jail, and they tried to kill him because of how far he was willing to go for someone that wasn't his race. How far are you willing to go for a black person? How far are you willing to go for a white person? How, how far are you willing to take a Muslim into your church? willing to take a Hispanic into your church? Those are questions that you and I need to ask. What are you willing to sacrifice to determine? Uh, that will determine how far you're willing to go for the sake of becoming a diverse church. That's good. Isn't that good? That's good stuff. Um, uh, I, I wish, which, which mic is working? There we go. Here we go. I'm going to hold it, even though it's probably not working. Um, so... I, I was thinking about just a story of us and that really broke my heart and that really, um, we started off being diverse, but we're diverse in color. Um, I wasn't ready for the sacrifice of being diverse in social economics. Uh, we, we started having, as I said, we chose a location that we're at. Um, we're, we launched in a school and we, we now have our permanent building, building now. But um, I remember we launched in the school and uh, we ended up getting our building and, um, and it's accessible to... Um, uh, homeless folks, and uh, and we had this one homeless lady come to our church. Um, her name is Brenda, and um, she she would come and uh, every day, every time she would ask for a ride home on the other side of town, and we we knew that she was taking advantage of the situation. Uh, she was uh, being very uh, deceitful, and uh, I mean, one time we have a cafe area, and we we give out donuts or snacks, whatever they do do in our cafe, and and one time she took like a like a big handful of stuff and just stuff it in her book bag. Called out there, and I was number one disappointed with my uh, my connections pastor. I said, "Hey, number one, this is your responsibility. Like, if you can't have a hard conversation with people, then maybe I need to fire you and, and hire somebody else." Like, I was I got really mad, and so in anger, I probably just preached a bad sermon. We probably had low numbers that Sunday. I don't know what. <laughs> so I remember going to this lady Brenda. I said, "Hey, ma'am, you can't do this, and uh, like you can't be here in this church. This church is." Whatever. But anyway, so Brenda comes back next Sunday. I said, uh, Brenda, you can be here, but you can't ask anybody for a ride home. And so Brenda, she uh, she um, she uh, she walks home, and um, and anyways, I, I get a I get an email from the the the, the fire department. Um, was that uh, it wasn't on that Sunday, but on another day, Brenda got hit by a car because she was strung out on drugs and she ended up jumping in front of a car, and the only identification that she had was a Motivation Church invite card. And it broke my heart because I wasn't really to sac willing to sacrifice donuts and her smell and her asking for a wire home for my little suburban church. And, and so for me now, I'm willing to pay the price for diversity. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I just want to let you all know that, you know, diversity is really cool on an Instagram picture. Yeah but it's hard in reality. And you know, if we can leave this, this setting with anything else, it's the setting, it's the idea of, is are we willing to pay the price for diversity? And so, and then just a few more practical things that we've done, this is not to be so hard uh, related. Uh, we, we're really intentional about our social media. 
Um, and so what you, if you go to Motivation Church RVA Instagram page, you're going to see a diverse pictures, right? You know, even there's some, ser- our first service is like predominantly white and our second service is predominantly black. So I, I hate our, our photos. So like we, because mm-hmm. I hate putting photos out there of a full black church or a full white church. And so, but we're really intentional. Like if we got a couple of white people in our black service, like, hey, get those white people in the picture, right? <laughs> get them in there. Absolutely, get them in there. Uh, and, and vice versa, right? And That's vice good. versa. Like That's if good. white people come to our black service, we're like, hey, go go look at them. Hey, hey, go hug them. Go, like give them extra treatment. Here's why. Because I want to be intentional about this. Yeah. Because I know that's what my community looks like. And I, I remember having, and some of you may need to have conversations with some people who's on our opposite race or even social class uh, in your church, is, is that you need to have conversations to say, hey, would you help me reach this population? Yes. Like, we, like having, I remember my pastor when I was at an all-white church came to me and said, hey, pastor, hey, Travis, I, you're black, man. Would you help me out? Like, tell me when we say something stupid, yeah. right? Tell me when we say something offensive, right? Yeah. A feedback culture inside your church where your black people have the, the green light to come to you and say, hey, what you said was offensive. Can, can I say something to that real yeah. quick? Um, just like Travis, we're super intentional. I won't put up a picture that doesn't have every race in there. I just won't do it. I've even told my photographers, hey, you gather people up, force them to do it, because we're going to let them see how important this is to us. Can I tell you guys something? And I have black pastors in Houston that are like, they're my pastors. And they help me see some things that I've never seen before. And one of the things they told me a long time ago, said, Ralph, don't ever just put um, a black man or a black woman to lead your worship team, because then you're, you're telling people that they're just there. Don't just put black people or black women and old and black men in, in the kids' ministry, in the youth ministry, because then it's like they're your child care. This is what they challenged me to do, and I live by this. Let them open up the scriptures. Give them a chance to speak into the life of the church. Let them, let them exegete that text. Let the people see that you trust them with that text. Let, them, let the people see that they're not just the hype man. Hey, give everyone a high five. No, that they're going to they're gonna be able to open up a text and, and, and show people that that text has, has, has something for them, and it's not just you. So being intentional yeah, yeah. is so important it's in everything. And, and so we do that. I have a, uh, uh, we had a new black, and I, God told me immediately, he's one of your next leaders. And he was a month in, and I put him in one of my top leadership spots, and everyone was like, whoa. I said, God gave him that gift, and he represents everything that we are about. He knows the scriptures. He wants to, he wants to reach the lost. He's going to get the mic. And he's been on the mic for three weeks messing up, but I got him on that mic. <laughs> Every week, we're like, oh, man, Ralph, you got to train him some more. He's not, but I'm giving him that opportunity to minister to people, not yeah. just entertain and not just watch kids. Yeah, and, w- and one of the things that I would say is that not only give opportunities, but just just make sure you celebrate each culture, yes. right? And we celebrate it all the time. Like we celebrate white culture, we celebrate black. We definitely celebrate our, our Latinos. Like our, our Puerto Rican gets celebrated more than anything because that's our lowest percentage of people that we have in our church. And so we celebrate people. And I think when you have a culture, one of our cultures, one of our values in our church is honor. And so we just honor it, honor up, honor down, honor all around. And one of the churches that we've been to is the Life Church with John Siebling. Um, if you all want to see a diverse church and this, you want just follow them, nothing, right? And, yeah, nothing yeah, more in diverse. fact, one of, one of their one of their workers back there is Charity. She runs that outreach. Uh, ministry. Love that church. Come on, and, uh, and it's not even fair that she's in this room. I'm, I'm intimidated that she's in this room. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, no, one of, one of the things that Pastor John told me 
I, I told him a couple of weeks ago I was going to be speaking on this topic here uh, at ARC, and he just make sure you tell them to, to, to have a clean heart. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said. And, and one of the books that he recommended for just all, just, just Caucasians, all, all of my white brothers and sisters here, was a book called Woke Church by Eric Mason. Eric Mason. And, and what it did for Pastor John was what put certain things in context that allow him to do that. And so for me, I'm constantly trying to educate myself on other races. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I could not believe that there's a difference between saying Latino and Hispanic. Yes. And that was something that I had to learn because I was intentional about learning. I had to learn my white brothers and sisters. So I had to learn about Hillsong. I had to learn about Elevation, right? <laughs> I, had to, I had to learn about singing these wordy poems. Uh, <laughs> my goodness, you're writing a book in that song, right? <laughs> Walking around these walls. It's a good song. Hey, oh, by now you're that's a calm. good song. Like, is it? Are we? Are we? Are we singing a story? Or are we singing to God? That's a good song. <laughs> you know. So for me, I had to learn that. Okay. I, I, I had to learn, and I and I just want to encourage you all. Like, just be learners. Yeah. Like, be intentional yeah. about learning him. Like, I always talk, ask him, always ask him all the time, what's your dinner last night? Yeah. It's mostly tacos. It's almost always tacos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost, I'm Mexican, unashamedly. <laughs> Did y'all know that when Paul, before he went into a city, before he opened up his mouth, the Bible tells us that he walked around and learned the culture of that city. That's his theology was, I, got, I can't preach to these people unless I know these people. So learn about your community. Learn about your city. We actually moved out of our school because we realized that we weren't attracting the, de- the, the, the kind of diversity that we wanted. And we gave up our spot to go to an area that we felt was poorer and that had, but had more diversity. But that's what we wanted to do because we, we studied our community and we knew that that's where we wanted to go. So you need to study, be a missiologist, understand that you're there to reach everybody. Paul said when he walks into a city, he had two major questions. Where's the synagogue and where are all the Gentiles? Paul's, Paul's a Jew, so he's going to go hang with his folks, getting that he's there for the Gentiles. And so he's looking for everybody, and so he's learning that culture. Can I say something else about, we're talking about um, multicultural. What about multigenerational? I mean, I, uh, I, 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 you need to learn how to honor those who came before you as pastors. And I'm 36 years old, and it's, it's hard for me to have someone who's 50 call me their pastor. It still feels funny, but it's an honor and it's a privilege. And so I, I make sure to honor them and put them in places. Uh, when we started the church, I made sure that we never uh, separated ages. We were always together. We didn't even have uh, older people groups. We just met together. I believed Acts chapter 2 gave us the, 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 the prototype of how to develop a system yeah. that showed how the church could, could actually be. And, and, and it was old people, young people, rich people, uh, poor people, and they were all together taking care of everybody's needs. And so we did that from the very beginning. And let me tell you what happened. Because the, 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 the young black kid was okay with hanging out with Miss Catherine, who's 60-something-year-old country white lady who will cuss you out in a second. <laughs> now that young black kid doesn't mind hanging out with the older white lady who walks through the door and helping to show her to her seat because we've, we've shown them that this is natural. This is, we're multi-general. We love everybody. We, we learn from everybody and we, we love them so well. So, so all, also look at how you could be multi-generational and give honor to, to the older generation and 
and the younger generation. Yeah. And just a few more thoughts. We're about to open up for questions and yes. answers here in a second. Uh, but I, I would like to, just going back, knowing your community, I heard one person say, uh, Jimmy Rollins, he said, I think some people know more about ancient Corinth than they do about their own yes. city. Yeah. And, like, we really know about Corinth, ancient Corinth, and, but you don't know about your city. You don't know, like, the struggles that some parts of your city uh, recognize. And just be reminded, as I said in the beginning, your call is a diverse call. Mm-hmm. We're called to reach every generation and every tribe. And so for us, realize that sometimes diversity helps you. You may have to move a little slower. And uh, I know for us, if we go Travis Green, uh, some gospel music, I know for a second that we would blow up as a church. I know it. Like there's, and there's some people who don't, who's left our church because we don't sing enough gospel songs. But I'm willing to pay the price of moving at a certain pace because I want to reach every single race. And, and so I, I just want to encourage you all that it might slow you down, but it will be something that will literally lead toward you being, towards you being a diverse church reaching a, a, a people that nobody wants to reach. And I'm sure we heard this quote a million times this week, but when you are committed to reaching the people that nobody wants, God will be giving you the people that everybody wants. Yeah. And that's, it bless you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. To be okay with taking the time to develop that culture because people want an authentic diversity, not a forced diversity. Hey, let's, put, let's just bring these black people in here and put them on a, on a picture. They want it to be authentic. Yeah. I mean, and so that even takes, with like pre-service music, yeah, like atmosphere music you play outside in your in your parking lot, you know, signage, language mm-hmm. is super important, right? Uh, like we're we're looking at the language we say. We're looking at we even check this out. We look we went to this one scent company that we had a, a consultation for, and we asked them because I know I can attract black people. I said, hey, so tell me the scent that white people like to smell. <laughs> And so he gave us a couple of different scents. And so we ended up buying like these Western hotel scents. If you're black in here, I'm, I'm, about, to, I'm about to allow you to read some white folks right now. Here we go. Um, <laughs> go to Weston.com yes. and they have these scent machines and the plugins for them. And white people love the smell of the Western scent machines. What is it? What are they like? Is it Jasmine? White people, y'all like Jasmine? I don't know what, what it is. What is it? Ocean Breeze? Okay. <laughs> I, I like I, my I'm smell, just saying. Mine is fajitas. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, mine is fajitas. Come on, can I so, get a good answer? So in? even for okay. us, like we even even the lotion we put inside our bathrooms. Yeah. We looked at Body Works, whatever the name of the, the One store. One of those beyond something. And uh, I asked them, tell me the lotion that white people buy. <laughs> hey, if you want them. You got to do whatever it takes to yeah. get them in the doors, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I need to be intentional about I mean, obviously be yeah. authentic and be real. But, like, be, be really intentional about every aspect of your church. And then you're going to start to see them, yeah. right? And it's going to be a blessing. You're going to say something and we're going to open up for questions. I think we're good. You guys ready for questions? Yeah. Let's do questions. Ready. Okay. You want to? You want to? Okay. You, go ahead. You want? You, 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 you need two mics. There you go. Hi, how are you? Hello. Is this on? Okay, good. Um, so, gave a lot of great tips. One question is, how do you address the tough stuff? So, yeah, lots happened in the last three years, you know. Um, and just thinking about, one, being a... Um, <clears throat> personally, like, I grew up in a church that is very conservative, mm-hmm. but black, very Republican, but black, so diversity. Um, 
But my pastor was very much like, oh, we are, we're all God's people. Color doesn't matter and never address the things that the folks in the audience. And then also I've seen pastors that I know who are like, I don't want to talk about some of those tough things that are happening, race or politics or anything related, because I don't want to offend the people that I'm trying to reach or that may be in the audience with varying opinion. So how, if at all possible, is it to create a space to address or at least say, like, I see you without um, making it contrary or uncomfortable? Sure. Uh, so for us, we address every tough issue in, in context and in light of our mission as a church and in, a, in mission of the gospel of Jesus. Uh, and so for a, a young black male gets shot by a white man, we, we are offended because that young black male needed Jesus, right? And, and so for us, what we do is that we address every tough subject when it comes to Donald Trump saying something uh, negative. When we say, hey, man, as, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, our, our call, one of our, our, our vision as our church is that we want to love God, love people, and change the world. And so we say to the people like, hey, we know that's not loving God. Oh, that's not loving people. That's not what Christ would do. And so we do address uh, tough uh, conversations in light of our mission statement. But then I'll, I will always say that it's really hard for you to give a full explanation of tough subjects in a 35-minute sermon. Yeah. So, so what we've done, created uh, people that I trust, small group leaders, and say, hey, if this offends you, if you are upset, because a lot of your people may be upset you know, in your churches. That may be, they may be hurting because of the, the racism that's in our world, the injustice in our world, right? And I hit on those points, but I know that I can't address it completely on a, in the pulpit. So what I did, I've created these spaces. So we have a, even now we have a small group uh, that's going through the book Woke Church. Um, and um, they're learning what it is to be a woke church and what it is to address injustice in our societies. And so what I do say is that address everything in light of your calling and of your vision as a church Right, because you don't want the 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 vision of racism to be. You're not the racism solving church. You are the Jesus advancing church, right? And, and so you want to make sure that it's in light of the calling. You know, you being a Jesus of church is about addressing racism, of course. But we we'll make sure you don't want that to become your identity as a church. So you want. You want to... Yeah. Um, so here's and that's good. Here's what I'll say uh, to to dovetail that: diversity requires discomfort. And as a pastor, you got to be okay with that. If you want a diverse church, you're going to have to speak up. And I forgot who it was that said, I think it was T.D. Jakes. It says, your silence is deafening when it comes to these issues. You, you've got to be able to say something. you got to stand up for, for uh, injustice, you know? And that, that's why I think it's so good in Revelation when he says, I looked up and I see every tribe and every tongue. And what I get from that is that multi-ethnicity is not a colorblind theology. You get that? It's not a theology. Like, it's nice to talk about, but it's not colorblind. We have to address these things. We have to know that these things are important for us as pastors and as leaders. So, yeah. And I'll just, one more thing is that I remember just a couple of weeks ago, I got a chance to hang out and have lunch with Carl Lentz, the pastor of uh, uh, Hillsong in New York City. And, and what he, I asked him the question just straight up. I said, hey, how come you never preach on homosexuality publicly? Like, you, I know you're against it. I know, like, tell me your heart. And, and what he said to share with me was that, hey, Travis, I cannot, you know, address the issue of homosexuality in a 30-minute sermon. 
I got I if I talk about certain issues from the pulpit, I lose the right to have a relationship with the person. And I'd rather have relationship and and heal from relationship than heal from a platform. Right? And so for me, there's as an African American, he may be able to have the ability to speak on certain things. I don't because I got white folks in my service that, that comes to my church for the first time. And if I say that all cops are going to hell or are evil, I lose the, the, the ability to have a relationship with that racist white person, right? And so what I wanna do is that I wanna, I wanna, I wanna address that stuff in a relationship over coffee, not on a platform for healing at all. So that, I mean, so you, you just gotta kinda think about your, your season, think about just kinda your context. Yeah. And obviously you definitely gotta address certain things that's yeah. uncomfortable for people. Yeah, don't use your platform for politics. Just don't do that. So, oh, okay. So you were talking about um, celebrating different cultures within the church. What does what does that mean? I mean, what does that look like to celebrate a different culture? I mean, I have an idea, but talk to me. Yeah. Um. So the way we celebrate it is is we talk about it. Uh, the first way to celebrate it is 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 show them that you know it's there and that it exists. And a lot of the things that Travis said is, is uh, the music and, and having to uh, use those kinds of ways to bring people together because music brings us together. Do you know that Jay-Z actually said a couple years ago that hip-hop is the number one greatest uh, uniter of, of all the races outside of Martin Luther King? Because he goes, they're all in the club dancing and hanging out to our music. What a shame that Jay-Z really believes that hip-hop has done that. I think that he thinks that way because the church is failing. And so we have to do our job to celebrate it as much as we can. And, and you celebrate it through promotion. I mean, what you promote, you celebrate. So, so who are you promoting in your church? We do this thing called Dream Team Spotlight. And we put it on Instagram or, or Facebook, and, and we make sure, hey, have we put someone up there that doesn't look like everyone else? Now, we don't fake it. We do honor them. And we do it intentionally so that we celebrate them. We put them, we put everybody in our videos. We want to make sure that it's celebrated that way. It's, it's really is what people see. What they see is, is, is an indication of what you celebrate. I, I would say what we do and what we've always done is that is, I'm so, I'm diverse in my heart. So I really feel like I'm a Puerto Rican now, right? And so like in, in the middle of my sermons, I'd be like, Hey, all my all my poriquas, I want some arroz con pollo. Or something. I, I just wanna, I, I wanna, and I, that's in my sermons. That's just who I am, and right. And I, I even go Carton from Will Smith uh, from a Fresh Prince of Bel Air on you. It's not unusual to be. I mean, <laughs> I would get white real quick, you know. And and so for me, I, I celebrate our cultures. I celebrate who we are. So we just had a, uh, um, uh, what's the 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 day where the Irish celebrate? What's the day? Um, yeah. So it just recently came. And so in our cafe, we had like green donuts and green like drinks they had out there. And you know, you know, because we know we got a lot of Irish white folks who go to our church, right? Or during, uh, during Martin Luther King, that, that weekend of Martin Luther King, uh, you best believe like we had a food truck that come out there, chicken and waffles. I mean, come on, right? And, and we had hot sauce out there, Louisiana yeah. hot sauce. Uh, <laughs> And so, like, I think we're intentional about that, but just, like, on the holidays, you can do, you can use the holidays as a, a good platform to celebrate different cultures. Um, and Cinco de Mayo, uh, you know, tacos, come on, somebody. Um, and um, I've never seen a Mexican that like tacos as much as you, bro. Like, oh, my gosh. 
my dad, my dad owned, my dad owns, had owned his own taco shop, and my brother has a lawnmower business. So. I'm just, <laughs> just oh my gosh. Uh, question, o- question over here. Yeah, we just started January, and awesome. I mean, we're in a small town in Texas that's just like forgotten about, and everything's pretty separated. We have a lot of Mexican churches, white churches, black churches, and there's a, a guy that came. I'm the worship pastor, and a guy that came in, and he's, I mean, he's bilingual. He's coming from. He's he came from Mexico, and with his dad, he's always led worship for his dad in uh, Spanish communities. And I'm just trying to figure out how to honor that and bring that to life in a way that it's like he's the only dude that speaks Spanish in our church. <laughs> so it's like making a place for that. But I also, you know, so I guess I'm just asking how do how do I honor that in a way that replicates and uh, opens doors in our community? Sure, absolutely. I think for sometimes you're not anointed to reach certain people. Like I. If I can say that, like, so in our community, we're 30% Latino. And, and of those 30% Latinos, a lot of them are, are, are Spanish-speaking only. I'm, we're just not going to speak Spanish in our church, right? And so what we did is that we, I contacted another small Hispanic church that's doing great things, that we agree with their theology, their purpose, and their mission. And we asked them to say, hey, you're, you're meeting in this kind of crazy building. You want to meet in our building? You can use our lights, our sound system, our stuff. And so now, like, that ministry has 17 people. This past Sunday, they meet on Sunday nights. They had over, had over, over, over 73 people uh, attending that. We give them money. I, we, we, uh, I give the, uh, the pastor a $1,000 stipend uh, every single uh, week. So sometimes your, your, your act towards diversity is supporting another ministry in your area that has the anointing to reach a certain people in your, in your yes. community. Let, can we say this real quick? God never told the apostles to the Jews to be the apostles to the Gentiles. He separated that. That was Paul's ministry. That wasn't Peter's ministry. There was a church, there was a council of Judah, uh, Judea, the first, the first Jerusalem council. They stayed in Jerusalem. They didn't go out. And so not all of us, not all of you are even called to go and reach all of those different ethnicities. You have a call. So it's internal. It's your heart. It's holy. You know, if you really ask, they asked us, hey, you're going to come and you're going to do this app about how you created a, a multi, multicultural church. And I sat back and said, I don't know how we did it because it was so natural for us because God put that spirit in us and it was just natural. Some of, some of us are called to, the, to those people and some of those are called to those people. Can I say this too? A lot of us, we use these, these scriptures that say, hey, you know, um, you know the, the gospel first came to the Jews, you know the rest of it, and then to the Gentiles. So we're supposed to go to all, uh, all nations, and, and that means I got to go talk to the black person. I got to go talk to the, to the Mexican. Let me tell you something really quick. We're all Gentiles. Not Jew. And you may not know it, but from your pulpit, you are saying, I'm superior because it first came to me. The, the white guy. But no, it didn't. Do you know that the gospel first went to Africa before it went to Europe? The Ethiopian unit got it first. And then it went to Lydia in chapter 14 in Acts, and she took it to Europe. Started in Africa. Then it went to Europe. So we need to watch out how we, how we you know, set ourselves up as being this great, diverse people, you know, and, and really understand that, that Jesus set the example from the very beginning when, when he, came, he said, I've come to die for her, whosoever it is. 
And so love on whoever, love that man. It may not be your ministry, though, to, to, to reach that culture. Travis, I've got a question for you. Um, it sounds like both of you guys are doing a great job and really appreciate uh, you leading your churches. One thing you said that was a little disconcerting is you have two services. Is that what you have? Yeah, we, we and, have two services. And they're, they're the same? They're the same exact service, same exact experience. It is for us in our community. I don't know why it happens. I hate that it happens that way. Is that our white folks, they normally come to the first service, and our, our African Americans come to the second service. I hate it. I, 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 I ask them, can you please come to the first service? Um, um, and so that's kind of how it works out. I mean, it's like, a, you know, first service is like, I would say 80% um, white and maybe 20% uh, black, but it's the same experience, same music, same style, and, and whatever. It's just, I don't know, I guess, just, I don't know why in our community, in our context, that's just kind of the way it works. And so we got to work really hard to try to diversify those services, and we're, we're trying hard now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so oh. uh, thanks so much for uh, leading this session. It's been really cool, been really helpful, especially you talk about um, young, old, uh, different races. And then you talked how it really is a challenge socioeconomically. And that's one thing that's been interesting for us. We're in a railroad town, so now a lot of uh, cult uh, a lot of uh, industry is left, and so we have a lot of our guys, they work off to, on to. We've got a lot of different ranges. We've got business leaders, though, that are in the community, uh, and we've got homeless people that come to our church as well. And so as far as that goes, how would you say you handle uh, specifically, like, benevolence? I know you telling that story, that lady, that hit me. Like, man, having a heart for people, but trying to teach someone how to fish rather than just always giving bread, you know, there's that tension that, that builds there. So how do you handle that? Or what would you say is the appropriate mindset and frame of mind to have yeah. as you approach that? And how can you help serve people the best? Yeah, we answer, I'll let Raphael answer in a second. We, we, we answer, we, the way we deal with that is we have a certain, uh, like 3% of our 10% um, outreach budget uh, goes towards benevolence. Uh, and it gets run out by tapped into the first two weeks of the, of the month. And so we, once it's tapped out, we say, hey, we're sorry, we get, you have to maybe wait till next month. Uh, but uh, I would tell you that we got people who are homeless serving on our dream team. Um, and so for us, for the majority, you know, we would, we would ask that you be a part of our family um, in order for us to really walk with you and pay some bills. Like, we, we do pay some bills, you know, and uh, some light bills. And, but those people, that we're walking with them. And sometimes people walking through a hard situation. We had one uh, stay-at-home stay mom who's working hourly, um, and she, got, she caught pneumonia. And, uh, you know, and so she, have, she don't have, like, you know, sick days, whatever. And so we, we took care of that, that, that week of, of money that she had to sit home. Um, and so uh, for us, we, we, we want people to be on our dream team. Um, and, and then we give you the uh, ability. But we have on occasion, and we're only a year and a half old, so I, I don't know fully uh, if, what we're going to land at. Uh, but I would say on occasion, we have given people that don't go to our church and just kind of randomly came off the street and say, I need this. And we would go pay that bill or we, we, we don't, we obviously, we rarely pass out cash, obviously. And we have a food bank, a food pantry in our church. So we do pack, we have a food. So we're able to answer the hunger problem without giving money. Um, and the shelter problem, we, we're, we're, we partners with a local area. And so we're able to answer the shelter problem with our partner with them. And so a lot of times in your partnership with other outreach ministries in your community, you can answer most other problems without even giving out money. Um, and so that's, we're just connected that way in our community. Um, so we did something a little unique in that we had just, 
we have very we have NBA players that live across the street, and then you know half a mile away we have people that you know are in a lot of trouble financially. And so we we actually we have our own um, kind of method, and a part of it is just your typical the church gives some away and makes some available through benevolence. But then we've told our group leaders, hey, someone in your group that needs something, meet the need. Because what we what we tell people is, you might have someone in your group who has the ability to meet that need. And if you're not allowing them to meet that need, you're robbing them of the opportunity to see how God can use them through their generosity. So we tell our group leaders, hey, we don't want you to, we don't want people to come in and say, hey, I just, I need groceries all the time. But if there's a need and you're praying and someone says, I lost my job, feel free as a group of believers to say, hey, group leader, can you gather a couple hundred dollars to take care of that need? And that, that helps the church become the church outside of the church system. Because, again, you don't need a system. You need a habit that comes with abundance in the flow of your heart. And so we tell our people, hey, if you're in a group and, and that person has a need and they, and it was, they needed $75 and you, you went through the process of, of writing an email to tell us about it and didn't just pay for it and then tell us later, I mean, we'll take care of it. And so, so some of that is up to you what you feel comfortable doing but man we our group leaders we make sure that they know it's like hey meet the need and if and if it's too much and it's then we'll come in or if it's something you take care of then we'll come back and we'll take care of it all right um i think the situation of my church is very complicated and i'm gonna give you um a few a few things the building location is at a predominantly black neighborhood number two 95% of congregation is African, um, Nigerian, a few Ghanaians. Number three, 70% of the congregation, every Sunday, they dress up the African way to church. For them, that's, celebrate, that's the way they celebrate God, dress the African way to church. Then... Um, 80% of the congregation, they love to speak in their dialects every Sunday. They don't want to speak English. Now, we have a few achievements. Number one, we've been able to um, change the music of the church from 100% African to 80% contemporary. We've been able to do that. Also, we started a second service that is 100% contemporary with the young adults and the youth. That's good. And now my thing is, even with all this, the transition is still slow. With the first service, it looks like impossible to move from a predominantly African church to a multicultural church. So I want to say this directly. I asked to pastor a church like that. What are the practical ways? you would suggest or that you would take to transit from that kind of a church to a multicultural church? Yeah, I would say that you want to have, you probably want to start off maybe trying to have some regular black people come. Like, you know, like African-Americans come. You know what I mean? That's, uh, you might want to start there, right? Say, hey, you know what? You know, hey, c come worship with us. Um, and then I was, I, I just want to first and pause and celebrate. Praise God yeah. what you're doing, That's right? right. Um, what, what you're doing is awesome and it's amazing. And, uh, and sometimes God may call you to be anointed to a specific group, right? 
Um, and so, praise God. And I think the intentionality that you're doing, having contemporary, praise God, you're doing contemporary. I don't like contemporary, man. I'm proud of you, brother. Go ahead, man. Um, I would love to hear. I would love how you guys. I would love to hear how you guys do Hillsong. That'd be awesome. Um, um, but praise God. So yeah, I would say if you want to keep growing that area, you know, try, maybe try to get like a normal African American, and then you can start growing and you know, in relationships, brother. And uh, man, you're doing a great job, though. Praise God. Yeah, man. Uh, the Great Commission, go. That's that's the teaching that I would give them. Hey, the Great Commission is for all of us to go. Now we can gather, and we can we can celebrate our traditional views and the things that we like. God called us to go, and we we have to create a um, an atmosphere where all people can come in, and where they can feel comfortable. And so, teaching on the Great Commission, understanding what that means for us uh, as as a people, as a body, to go and reach those uh, other races or other people, and it takes it just takes time though. It's gonna take time. To teach that. So I have, I have a, a friend of mine. He's a black guy in Houston. He's in Fifth Ward. It is, it is the heart of our city, and it's 98, 99% black. And, 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 and I heard a story of him talking to a couple of pastors saying, I wanted to represent the diversity of our city. Brother, you're in Fifth Ward. It ain't gonna happen. And that, guess what? That's okay. That group. Teach them what it's like to go. Teach them what it's like to, to lay down their traditions because that's what happened to the Pharisees. They didn't want to let go of their traditions. Jesus had a hard time getting delayed, but he still worked for them. And that's why Paul would go to the synagogue first. He's got to go to my people to help get them to change, and then I'm going to go to the Gentiles. So go to your people. Exactly, exactly. So my, my community is super diverse, and that's why, you know, my church is diverse. But I also made decisions to move into a diverse place to, and to leave something that was a little less diverse for that. You don't have that diversity there, so start training, start teaching, and start helping them see the priority of making disciples. Got a question over here? Yeah. Um, do you guys see an importance in connecting with other churches around you that are ethnically different or racially different partnership and if so, yeah i mean like yeah if so how much and and how would you go about that i was talking about even earlier about like you know i kind of want to go to like a church that's more black so i can get that culture like i want to know what it's like but you know what would you say about that connection and how deep to go and you know how to go about it you need a tribe of friends that don't look like you hey can, can we bring up chris can you come up here real quick chris pastor chris yeah chris you know chris. So we have a group called the Wild Hogs. I don't know if you guys watched that movie, Wild Hogs. <laughs> and, and this is what the art has taught us. And this is why we love the art. So the three of us, we're like the best friends. And I'm, I'm black, obviously. We got a Mexican. We got a, a, he Hispanic. As white as, as white as they call Get it right. <laughs> so one of the things I love, uh, so what, what I would say is your relationships are so important, right? And so the reason why we do life, I mean, this, this is more than just an art conference show. Like, we, we text all the time. We're, we're, like, the best of friends. And the reason why we've done so is because, like, we know that I, I want to reach people like him, my community, right? He had, a, he had one of his white uh, um, members come to our church, and they felt comfortable, right? And I, actually, actually, they were a little uncomfortable. But I, <laughs> I didn't tell him it was predominantly black church. I just said, good friends, man, you got to go. And he brought you a T-shirt, man. And so, so what I want to say is it's the relationships, you know? And yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you want to connect with other people in your community that, you know, that has uh, ethnic groups. And uh, because, I mean, this is beautiful right here. 
Yeah. And, and, and I just want to, not a plug for the art, but this is why we do art. This, right? this is it. It's the relationships. Last night, um, he, he, we were tired. And he's like, hey, let's go to Top Golf. And I went, and the, the group of people that were there was diverse. It was white, blacks, and this Hispanic, not Mexican. And we were all hanging out, <laughs> having fun, having fun. And, and look, wife, you know, we have five kids because we're Mexican, Hispanic. We have a lot of kids. And um, we got... And they fit in all in one car, too. All in one car. We're trying to grow a church, y'all, in any way possible. Any way possible. She, you know, she, she said, are you going to go? I said, look, my brother's asking me to go. I'm going to go. I, I, I value these relationships. So find those relationships. Other pastors, other people who want to sit down and dialogue and talk about how, how they can grow and how you can teach them about your culture and then learn about their culture and then see if there's a way that you can partner with each other. Before I came here, I called three predominantly black pastors in my city, megachurch guys. I said, Blake, sit with me. He's an AKA. If you guys are, any black people here know, okay, come on. AKA, I just want to make sure I'm doing this right. And that's what, you should feel free to do that. You're supposed to do that. Those are your brothers. Hey, Chris, could, could you pray for all of us that as we do these things, would you just pray that God gives us yeah. the anointing, the wisdom to do so as we, as we close out today? Absolutely. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for this opportunity. And God, we take so serious the mandate, God, that you put on the church. And God, as, as, as we want our church to be a reflection of heaven, God, heaven's demographic, I pray that you would anoint us and you would, God, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation on this. God, I pray, God, that we would take so serious the just the incredible truths that you've shared through the pastors. God, would you give us your heart because your heart doesn't care anything about politics and your heart doesn't care anything about the division. And God, you don't just tolerate the differences, but you celebrate differences. And I pray that, God, the churches that are represented here today, God, you would stir something up in us to where Jesus would be the big deal and everything else, God, would just not be that important. I pray that we would become, God, that's the revelation I'm leaving with today. What do I need to become today, God, to reach the diversity that's in our city? God, I, I thank you. I thank you, God, for reminding us of these things. I thank you for giving us peace about it. God, I pray that nobody would be overwhelmed with this. But just like Jesus given an incredible task, he was moved with compassion. God, give us a supernatural compassion for the people in our city. God, rich folk, poor folk, God, just give us a compassion to reach people. We give you all the praise. We believe it's happening in Jesus' name. And everybody said, on, amen. Dude, I text you. You didn't get a text?